Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. We're all back, and Dave, uh, with the uh, voice of the Georgia State Panthers, is with us this evening. J.J. Wayne, it's been a long time since I've seen your mugs, and I haven't seen mine on the camera in a while, neither. Not You're not missing anything there. So I'm glad we're all back. It's been a while, and let's get started. Let's, uh, you know, before we start, actually, you can get a hold of all of us at ATL Prime Sports. JJ at JJ Get You One, Wayne at RWI Jr., and myself at Porter Todd. Uh, guys, uh, to intro to the show, it wasn't a good weekend for the city of Atlanta's college football teams. Georgia Tech got beat by Northern Illinois on a two point conversion at the end of the game. And of course, Georgia State got beat by Army 43 to, 43 to 10. Sorry, Dave. But before we quite go into that, let's celebrate. College football coming back with all the fans and all the accolades towards the 13 uh, uh, soldiers that uh, passed away. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. All the 9-11 tributes, the one at Texas A&M, and just all the fans in college football and his pageantry coming back. And and I, I guys, I thought it was awesome, and I know you do too. Uh, number two. This is just from pure stupidity from Rutgers University. A 22-year-old Rutgers student is going to take an online class. They won't let him because he's not vaccinated. I mean, golly, we shouldn't have the show. I, I think all of us can catch the virus from each other right now. Well, they, <laughs> they, they'd let me on the show because I actually did get vaccinated. So, I did too, but you know, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, if we're not vaccinated, we should be talking through the screen. We can get uh, COVID through the screen. I mean, pure stupidity. Anyway, let's move on to the pure stupidity. And Dave, thank you for joining us once again. Um, Army only threw the ball four times on Saturday. Unfortunately for Georgia State, uh, two touch, two of them were for touchdowns. They ran for, what, 248, and Georgia State ran for 48. Two turnovers for Georgia State, none for Army. It was, unfortunately, a major disappointment for uh, Georgia State. To say the least, it was a major disappointment. Tough way to open up the season. Uh, it's a little worrisome at this point, even though I was at practice earlier today, and it was a spirited practice. You know, in college football, as in every sport, you got to have a very short memory. Can't dwell on Army because you got uh, the gauntlet continuing right in front of you with North Carolina Saturday night in Chapel Hill, and then back home with Charlotte in two weeks. They beat Duke, and then at Auburn week four, and then Appalachian State. We've talked about that, but yeah, Georgia State, uh, you know, the – the scene was kind of set from the fourth play. I mean, the best thing Georgia State did all afternoon, in all honesty, was win the coin toss. I mean, it was downhill after that because on the fourth play, after winning the coin toss, um, miscommunication on the handoff to Destin Coates from Cornelius Brown, Georgia State fumbles the football, and Army uh, takes advantage of it, and just like that, they were up 7 nothing. And then from that point on, Georgia State struggled to run the ball. Georgia State struggled to throw the football. Um, Georgia State got a dose of typical Army football, three yards, four yards, and a cloud of dust. They ran it up and down the field on us. They dominated, dominated time of possession. 
it was like 42 minutes to 18 minutes, you know, and they are truly, as I said on the radio on, on Saturday, they are football quicksand because if you fall behind, all you have to do is do the math. There's not enough possessions in our situation falling behind like we did at 7 nothing, and then at 14 to nothing, and then at 21 to nothing, and then at 21 to 7, uh, and then 28 to 7 on a, on a bad interception with inside of a minute to go or just over a minute to go in the, you know, almost heading into the locker room at halftime. They end up scoring and going up 28-7. Point is, just do the math. The way they, you know, dominated time of possession, there was not enough possessions once we got far enough into the second half that we were going to be able to come back on them. Those numbers that you gave out, 86 yards on the ground, 129 yards passing, both extremely low numbers for a football team that averaged 33 points per game last year and a team that beat Army two years ago in Atlanta. So listen, hats off to Army. They came in and they played prototypical Army football, and Georgia State couldn't stop them. You said it, Dave. It was a clinic, and Army started it from the first play on the football game. And you mentioned the time of possession. You mentioned you're only going to get so many possessions playing Army. And, you know, all the hype coming into this game, we talked about it, talked about the schedule. That's a really rough schedule for, for Georgia State. And, and, and for this to happen, I, I, was, I was shocked. I thought it was going to be a very competitive football game. How about you? We all did. Yeah. You know, I was on this show with you, uh, JJ, last week. And, in prior shows when we were talking about the outlook for the season, this is, listen, this is the most experienced team that we've had. But it certainly didn't look like it on Saturday. In all honesty, I was getting some flashbacks to Georgia State football in year three and year four when we went 1-11 and or 0-12 and 1-11. and I mean, that's the feeling I was getting uh, in that game on Saturday. We're just, we couldn't do anything. Again, reminiscent last year, if you go back to the loss to Coastal Carolina that we suffered in Atlanta, literally just couldn't do anything on the ground or in the air. And listen, hats off, you know, I, I mean, even though I felt good about it, I wasn't overconfident. It's not like Army had a terrible team last year. They were 9-3 and three and lost to West Virginia in the Liberty Bowl. That's a good football team. I mean, we lost to a really good team but we really made it a little easier on them than it should have been. And so, again, it's now North Carolina week, as I say at practice. Uh, Army is in the rearview mirror. You can't go back and score any more touchdowns or uh, against Army. And now it all comes down to North Carolina. And look, we're going into Chapel Hill at not an advantageous time. I watched a good bit of that game against Virginia Tech, and they did not look good. So who do they think? In week two, they're going to use to get back in the winning track. Us, yeah. Georgia State. So they're going to take it out on Georgia State. You'll get North Carolina's best shot after the disappointing loss to Virginia Tech. And you know what? There's a lot of similarities in that game. North Carolina was knocked off the football, Virginia Tech was the more physical team. No question. And uh, so I'm a little cautiously extremely optimistic i take that back extremely cautious 
less optimistic going into Chapel Hill uh, just because of that situation. It really would have been better if they had been been able to beat Virginia Tech. They would at least be a little more confident and not be kind of playing on, the, on their back heels like they're going to be uh, sitting back, lying in wait for Georgia State to come into Chapel Hill. Um, but, you know, it was uh, – it was uh, it was an afternoon to uh, to put behind you, and um, you know we're gonna have to return that game to Army next year. We've got to go up to West Point next season, so we'll get another shot at them. Uh, but after that, it's a series that I would rather uh, you know put off for a little while. I mean, I really think that in Georgia State's position, you know, we need to open up with somebody that we feel that we have a pretty good shot to beat. I understand Army, quality football team. They bring a lot of fans. Uh, they sell a lot of tickets. Um, but I really, you know, when you're playing North Carolina and you know you're playing Auburn, you know, your other two non-conference games need to be games that you feel like you've got a pretty good shot to win. And maybe our, maybe our people thought we, we had a really good shot to win it. I guess we all did. Um, but it was an eye-opening experience just to come in and see the way Army, you know, picked up from what they the way they played a year ago. And, you know, they have no super seniors. You know, the military academies, none, none of those players got a COVID year. You know, your That's a great year, point. Your four years are up. You move on to your appointment, right. military appointment. So, you know, Georgia State's running around out there with, again, most experienced team, eight or nine kids that are back for their super COVID year season. And uh, But we, we just couldn't really get a whole lot done. The only bright spots, um, let's see, the receiver, Jamari Thrash, had uh, seven catches. Yeah, he's the kid from uh, from LaGrange out of Troop County. Um, he had a – he you know, and, and listen, it's not an excuse – but we had five, I think I saw listed six. Coach Elliott only told me uh, four when we met on Thursday. Uh, but we were missing some key players. And I, I'm not saying because of COVID. And I'm not, right. saying, I'm not saying one iota that if all, all five or six of those guys that we would have won that ball game. It certainly would have helped. But, you know, with what Army was doing, I don't know that it would have made all that much of a difference. It, it, it would have helped, might have changed things. We also didn't take advantage – of, I don't know, did, did you guys get a chance to watch or listen to the game? Yeah, I, I listened to some of it. Okay, so you remember, and I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. I want to say it was, it was in the first half. Twice we punted to Army. Twice they muffed the punt and we Back. recovered. And Boy, twice we got flagged for a holding penalty. I think we were down 7 nothing. Now, if... If we're able to hold on with no penalty, we're in scoring position with great field position. My point is, who knows if we score and the complexion of the game, it might have changed the complexion because at that point it would have been a seven, seven ball game. If we'd been able to punch it in after recovering the football instead, we let all the momentum stay on the army sideline. Yeah. Well, and Dave, uh, in the uh, Sunbelt conference, in the Sunbelt Conference, uh, which teams do you think uh, are going to be the stronger teams in the conference this year, both east or west side? Well, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same the same three schools. Right now, the face of the Sunbelt is Appalachian State, uh, Louisiana, Lafayette, and Coastal Carolina. Until somebody comes in and pushes one of them, pushes one of those three to the side, 
those are the three schools right now that uh, kind of garner the most attention in the league, Louisiana Lafayette in the west, and in the east, Appalachian State and, uh, and Coastal Carolina. And Dave, Coastal, they, they get ready to face Kansas again. They're 1-0. Louisiana Lafayette had a tap, tough matchup with uh, Texas. They were in the game for a while. They just couldn't hang with them in the fourth quarter. So, you know, it wasn't a great week for the Sun Belt in terms of the big non-profile, non-conference championship games. Um, but, um, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. And last question, I guess I'll just go ahead and ask it, the keys for the Carolina game. You know, I mean, it's it sounds uh, like, you know, coach speak, but you got to come out and get off to a good start. You can't turn the football over early and dig yourself into a hole. Uh, North Carolina is not exactly like Army with regards to dominating the football on the ground and dominating time of possession and keeping the football away from you. I mean, they, they kept our offense off the field. I mean, that's what Army did. I don't know that North Carolina will, you know, to that extent, but, you know, you kind of kind of come in and, you know, figure that they're going to throw a punch or two right from the get-go. And in boxing terms, you got to absorb that punch and maybe fire one or two back in order to let them know that you're not here just to collect a check. Um, how do we do that? You got to you got to be able to run the football against them. You know, we're running behind a, a, our most experienced offensive line. But look, it's the ACC. It's power five, um, except for maybe one or two of those spots up front. I'm sure we're I'm sure every one of our guys on the offensive and defensive line are outsized and outweighed by most of what they're going to see from North Carolina. North Carolina is not a preseason top 10 team because they're not any good. You know, they're a preseason top 10 team you know, because they're loaded, you know, and they're trying to go ahead and become that team along with Clemson and Florida State that people recognize when you say powers in the ACC. Most people say Clemson and Florida State. North Carolina now with them, but North Carolina is trying to put themselves in a position where they become part of that or, or develop that big three in the ACC. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and take a punch or two early on. I'm sure they're going to try to grab control of that game, and uh, we're just going to have to come out and, uh, and absorb those whatever those, those blows are and fire back and let them know that we're not there just to collect a check. We're there to try to even our record at one and one. Dave, let's hope the result is like it was against Tennessee up in Knoxville. We'll talk to you next week. Tell everybody where they can catch you uh, at the, on the mic. Uh, we will be on the radio Saturday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time, straight up on 88.5 FM, WRAS, the 50,000-watt voice of Georgia State football and basketball. And, of course, streaming online, the Georgia State Athletics mobile app, and, uh, of course, online and tune-in radio and multiple ways to listen. But as I exit the show, I know you guys will talk more about some other college football, but the one thing that we didn't talk about that I'll let you guys talk about if you so desire, because you did mention Northern Illinois beating Georgia Tech uh, with a two-point yep. conversion. Georgia State has Charlotte in here in two weeks. They came back and beat Duke. East Tennessee State crushed Vanderbilt in Nashville. Eastern Washington beat Nevada Las Vegas. University of Texas at San Antonio beat Illinois. Nevada took out California. Montana, Montana 
beats Washington and our buddy, former Georgia State guy, who's the athletic director at Utah State, they go into Pullman and beat Washington State. A lot of great upsets, if you want to call them that, in college too football. Late. Too late. And this too late. Close. You're right, JJ. They came awfully close in a game that they had to switch locations because of Hurricane Ida. They almost right. went and took out Oklahoma in Norman. You know what, Dave? You hit it all in the head. you got to be ready to play every week. We saw the upsets. We almost saw the upset that J.J. mentioned, which, honestly, I was pulling for it. And we'll see what happens next week, Jay. You know, Dave, maybe we'll be on here talking about Georgia State defeating North Carolina, and Mac Brown will be 0-2, which nobody would expect. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot for all the, uh, thanks a lot for all the information today. Not a problem, J.J.? Yeah, I was just trying to say before you go, that's exactly sorry, what you're Jimmy. saying is we need to expand that college football playoff, Mr. NCAA. I hear you, Dave. I hear you. <laughs> I'm just saying on any given afternoon when you've had a week to prepare, things can happen. That's Absolutely. Right. That's right. You know? I agree. Dave, thanks so much for coming on. All right. I'll we'll see you next week, you guys. Next week. All right. Go Panthers. You guys take it easy. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Take care, All right, Dave. that's Dave Cohen, the voice of the Georgia State Panthers. And before we get to Georgia, J.J. and Wayne, he, he, you know, we I mentioned it at the top of the show. The fans are back. It's great for football. Dave talked about all the uh, the upsets. Uh, you know, in week one, anybody can beat anybody. And But you know what? Let's ship from all that and go to um, – Let's go to week. Let's go to the Georgia Clemson game, and you know what? That was one heck of a defensive performance, JJ, by the dogs. I mean, take it away. I mean, you had to be glowing from one ear to the other watching that. I mean, deep they they were after DJ every play. His feelings were flying all over the field. I mean, absolutely, yeah. As the defensive side of the ball, they wreaked havoc. They did exactly what Kirby Smart has been trying to do for four or five years. He finally has gotten the defense the last three years. He's going to have arguably the third best defense for the third straight year in a row. Uh, You can only get – I mean, UAB is a tough opponent. You can't overlook them just like we talked about. But they're a team that can score. But Georgia should be able to get after their their quarterback, put them on the ground. They absolutely wreaked havoc. Seven, seven sacks. We talked about Georgia State's wide receiver Thrash having seven receptions. Georgia had seven sacks. Adam Anderson got in on it. Nicobe Dean had a heck of a night. And your boy, 99, Jordan Davis, the human yeah. statue, did everything he could to wreak havoc extremely well all night. DJ Ungalalele had nothing, nowhere to run. I know Kirk Herbstick was saying, hey, you could have pulled it down and gone up. No. When it's, I in, agree your with head, that. When it's in your head, you don't want to run. You want to get the ball downfield. And you saw it clearly. Sideline to sideline, Georgia had the same speed as DJ you did the entire night. He couldn't run. He had no room. If he decided to run, he's going to get closed upon for four or five yards. Sure, it may extend it for one night, but look, there wasn't any room to run. Two rushing yards all night. I know the sacks come out of the rushing yards in college, but still, an unbelievable performance. Let's flip it on the offensive side and special teams. Georgia had a muff punt that cost him a turnover. 
JT had a bad read that cost him a drive in the red zone. So here's the deal. Georgia cleans up a couple things right there. They win by double digits. What did I say last week? Georgia would win by double digits. Why? Because they have the Jimmys and the Joes. They had the X's and the O's. And this is it. This is the year Georgia does it. This is the year Georgia wins the national championship. Now, like JJ, I, I, I got to go back to one of the points, okay? It was a close game. Offensively, Georgia was very, very conservative. They had that really good offensive line, a stable of backs. But this team has got to be able to throw the ball downfield. Sure. Their running game is good enough that if they don't – you know, if they take the shot and they don't get it, they at least open up the team's secondary in the minds of the defense going, okay, they're going to throw the deep ball. Because Georgia's an offense where if they don't get it on first down, second and 10, they're still good enough to get the first down, even if they run a couple of plays on second and third down. This is one of the best offensive lines in the country. They've got to throw it deep. Yeah, sure, they got to throw it deep, but they were without a lot of wide receivers. No Darnell Washington, no Eric Gilbert. Uh, Rosemary Jack Saint went out of the game early. Uh, we were relying on McConkey, uh, who's a former walk-on. Dominique Blaylock may come back. There's rumors that he might come back against UAB. So hopefully that will extend the ball down the field like you want it to go. I, I think that has a lot to do with it. I'm not saying excuses, just like you – you can't say guys are in, guys are out. That's part of the game. But Georgia didn't have to do that to beat Clemson. Obviously, they didn't. Um, look, JT was pretty accurate. 22 of 30, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, a lot of dinking and dunking. But look, Clemson's corners are legit. They always are. They cause turnovers downfield. They want you to throw it deep because then – their defensive line gets after you. When you have to get the ball out of your hand in a longer period of time, Clemson's getting after you. So JT got it out quickly. I think you'll see that deep ball come along as the season goes. But, yes, it is a concern because in order to beat Bama, you got to throw the ball. you got to have those explosive plays over 20 yards, over 25 yards, and those big 50, 60-yard touchdowns occasionally. You're all right about that, TT. You, you, you know, you made you made an excellent point about the dinking and dunking, getting the ball out, but you got to get it downfield. But back to G, DJ, when you mentioned the point where Kirk Herbstreet Kirk Street said on the telecast, there were five, six, seven, eight occasions where he could have taken it up the middle and taken Georgia out of the man-to-man, -man, changed that scheme and changed the game, but it's real easy for me, you, and Wayne to sit here in our chair and say, well, he should have done that. But the pressure was on him all night. They had eight tackles for a loss. And, and I mean, that was a pure uh, physical dominant performance by Georgia on the defensive end of the uh, side of the football. Let's go over to the matchup. You know what? Before you get to Alabama at the end of the year, there's a lot of games to go. Next week's game is against UAB. There are already COVID issues in the in, in, in the program. Kirby Smart has major concerns about it, even though 90-plus percent of players are vaccinated. Um, Tom Brady sent it best. I don't know if you saw the video, but he sat down with a couple of Buccaneers and a young lady who covers the Buccaneers and said, COVID will be worse this year on a football team than last year, even though everybody's vaccinated. 
We have an open public, you know, things aren't shut down like they are a year ago. And you just wonder as it goes down the line, every every team's football depth is really going to be tested this year. And, and yeah, Georgia should handle UAB. But you know what? For a team like Georgia, you want to see their depth against UAB. If their backups are not playing in the second half, we're disappointed. Correct. And, 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 and again, this is we're not taking anything away from UAB, but Georgia, being a number two team in the country, should cover the spread probably around midway through the third quarter and get a lot of guys in. TC, great point. Uh, Wayne, any thoughts on this? Um, when just uh, only one thought on that uh, Georgia-Clemson game, and this is mainly for Todd. Uh, both defenses uh, played really great in that game, but uh, the offense for Georgia is what won that game. Well, that interception by Smith, that 74-yarder, was the big difference. And, guys, I sent you a funny video where Dabble was up in the airplane, and he was telling DJ, you see that down there? You see that down there? You're going to be throwing touchdown passes. But he, he forgot <laughs> to mention the fact the only pass he threw all day that was a touchdown was to the dudes in the white shirts. And it went Coming for 74 back. yards. Coming back. Let's wrap it up. All right, that's so funny, though. I had to mention the video. I know you were dying. You and I talked about it. All right, let's go from the college gridiron over to the National Football League. Your Atlanta Falcons are, what, a uh, three-and-a-half-point favorite against Philadelphia. Keys to the game for me. Uh, you, you know, it basically the Falcons got to throw the ball on first down to set up the run. Two, they got to stop the Philly RPO. That, that hurt the Falcons very bad in the last meeting back, uh, back was it January last year? And three, stop Darren Sproles. To me, this 35-year-old football player is still an absolute matchup nightmare. What are your three keys, J.J.? Yeah, you mentioned it's going to be Miles Sanders will be the leading back, but uh, I, I do think you're right. You're going to have to stop Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, and it's going to start with Grady Jarrett and Devont, uh, Dante Fowler. They're going to be key for the Falcons in that interior line. they got to contain the Eagles' run game with Hurts and Sanders because it's kind of like a triple option, but at the college level with that read option. You can pull it in. You can take it out. You read that defensive end. If Fowler and Grady Jarrett aren't on the same page, they can run all over them. Um, A.J. Terrell is going to have to play extremely well on the outside. There's, again, two solid receivers, the rookie Devontae Smith, uh, we all know the Heisman Trophy winner. And Jalen Rigger is the second-year guy at a TCU. It's a first-round pick as well. He's expected to make extreme strides this year. I've heard all offseason, if you're a fantasy football player, Rigger could be the guy that you steps are. out for <laughs> your fantasy football program because this guy drafted him in one league. So I was able to get a hold of him. But do I do think A.J. Terrell's the X factor in this game. I think he'll be able to shut down the passing game. If Grady and Jared, uh, uh, Grady, Jared and Fowler are on the same page, there's your keys to a victory for the Atlanta Falcons. Wayne, you got one real quick? Yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, y'all can all look forward to a Valentine's Day gift on Valentine's Day Eve when the uh, Atlanta Falcons win the LVI. The Super Bowl. Huh? Now that was a bold prediction. We were getting to that shortly, uh, but uh, thanks for uh, 
For yeah, two Americas, we'll just go ahead and skip my over. Glasses it. are fogging up. Yeah, okay. yeah, but they are. You, I had to grab my heart for a minute. I had to clutch and grab. I almost lost it. All right, well, let's go ahead and go to that. Um, you know what? Let's go to the bold prediction. We'll do that first. We'll just do it backwards. Wayne mentioned his. Thank you. That was really bold. Mine would be if Dante Fowler ends up getting a double-digit sacks. He only did it once in his career with 11 and a half back in 2019 with the Rams. What's your bold prediction, JJ? Kyle Pitts is your offensive rookie of the year. I don't think that's that bold. But I like it. I don't <laughs> I, think it's that bold. You're right. It's not that bold. But uh, here, I'll say I'll say another one. I'll say another one. Here's a Please. real bold one. Mike Davis. Right. Mike Davis has a thousand two hundred plus all-purpose yards for the Atlanta. Oh, twelve hundred. Twelve hundred in seventeen games. I mean, yeah, that's a little more bolder than your last one. All right. Um, let's go to the breakout player. JJ, you mentioned it. AJ Terrell, the cornerback from Clemson. You know, the biggest biggest year. The biggest jump in the corners is from year one to year two in this league. And that's my breakout player. How about yours? Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, I got a couple of them. And it's every receiver not named Calvin Ridley. It's going to be. <laughs> now, get this right, folks. Alamade, Zacchaeus, and Russell Gage. Those are going to be your breakout players. Gage had four touchdowns last year, 786 yards. Zacchaeus had 20 receptions and a touchdown. But with wide receiver uh, Ridley as the number one, expect a couple double teams from him. These guys are going to have to step up in that third down role. Expect it to be Alamade, Zacchaeus, a household name by the end of the season for your Atlanta Falcons. That's my breakout player. I agree Mark. with what you said. Wayne, do you have a breakout player? Well, I'm just going to say this. Uh, uh, I, I predict that it's going to be a MVP of the Super Bowl for Matt Ryan. Ooh, wow, man. You're like killing me with these whole predictions. But I like it. I can't. I love it. I love it. Down, JJ. You're not having an earthquake over at your house over there. All right, the Falcons can have a top 10 offense. To me, this is obvious. If the offensive line can keep Matt Ryan, who is Wayne's Super Bowl MVP prediction, upright. JJ, what's yours? I'll elaborate on that. I'll say uh, keeping him upright plus Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry have to stay healthy. The former first-round draft picks. Yeah, very true. So I'll elaborate on that, and uh, let's go. Uh, you know what? I'll just I'll I'll keep it there. I'll keep it there, right? No, now. no, you did really good, actually. Like that, I'm, I I like it, Wayne. Uh, the Falcons have a top ten offense. If might as well go for another bold one and just swing for the fence. Uh, yeah, I think they got a top ten offense. Offenses win games, man. Okay. And, so he, and again, I was just gonna add on what I what I said as my bold prediction. I think Mike Davis is gonna have a heck of a year. Again, a few fantasy football players. Is he from Stockbridge? I'm sorry. Is he from Mike Davis, I think he's going to have a heck of a year. I think he's going to have around 1,200 yards, probably about 700 rushing, about seven. Maybe maybe gets around the 1,400 mark. Maybe it's a 7-7, seven and 7-5, seven, seven and five, but around the 1,200-yard mark, maybe about five TDs in each reception and touchdown. That'll be another bold, bold prediction, but – that's also going to be a key to the Atlanta Falcons being an extremely, extremely good playoff team if that happens. 
That's a big, my, you know, I've got another bold one, but I'll save it for tomorrow. We're going to be live on ATL Prime Sports on Blog Talk Radio, 1347-205-9631. Listening in, we'll talk Braves baseball. It'll be myself and Mark Mancini. We may or may not have a guest. If not, we're going to talk Braves baseball, Falcons football. Got to talk the dogs, and, uh, and, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Guys, let's go to the pick six. Uh, I'm in last place. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm two and four. Uh, Wayne and you and JJ are batting 500, which is really good in baseball, but not so much in picks of three and three. All right, let's go to it. Oregon, uh, one and over. So Ohio State, one and oh. We got to do these quickly. Um, Ohio State is a two touchdown favorite. Wayne, do they cover? Yes, they cover and win. JJ. Yes, they cover Aluve uh, 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 or Alave and Wilson. Alave. Much. Stroud makes him. Uh, they make Stroud look like the quarterback he really should be. I like Ohio State to cover. I like Ohio State to cover too, and I love Alave. I think he's the best wide receiver in the country. Even though they got five five star wide receivers on their roster, so they got guys sitting on a bench that are good. All right, number eighteen, Iowa one and zero, and Iowa State one and zero. That's the Cyclone Trophy, Iowa State's favored by four. Wayne, who do you got? Iowa State to cover. Iowa State to cover. Interesting. JJ, what do you have? Dang it, Wayne. I got Iowa State in the points, too. Iowa's won five of these things in a row. State's due. They're due, but not due this time. I'll take the Hawkeyes to cover and the win it. All right, Texas uh, is at Arkansas. Texas is 21 in the country. Each team is 1-0. Texas is six-and-a-half-point favorite at Pig Suey. Wayne, what do you got? Uh, I'm taking Arkansas in the points. Texas will win, but Arkansas, uh, Texas won't cover. All right, JJ, you can keep track of all this. Are you keeping track of this? Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, contact, I'll contact you guys off air to make sure I got the bets right. Yeah, okay, I, what do you got? What do you got, JJ? I'm taking, te- I'm taking Texas in the points. I think Texas wins by a touchdown. Sarkeesian has the roster from Herman. He gets the W. I think Texas wins by double digits with no problem. Oh, let's go over Whoops, to the National Football League. Thursday night, the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott are at the GOAT down in South Florida. The Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are an eight-point favorite. Wayne, who you got? Uh, Cowboys in the points. On opening night, strange things do happen on opening night, Wayne. All right, I like it. What do you got, JJ? I'm taking the points and the the Cowboys in the points as well. I I think Tom Brady and and the Buccaneers are going to be good. But I think Dak Prescott is hungry, and I think he'll play very well. They may even win this game. I'm taking the safe bet, Cowboys in the points. But I'm probably going to get burned on this one because Brady burns me off. No. He's going to burn you again. I already feel the burn on the back of your neck. Give me the goat. And for Dallas to win, or uh, Tampa Bay to win by 10. I can hear it now. All right. Tell me about your Eagles from Invincible uh, at Atlanta. Atlanta, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Wayne, I know who you're going for. Yeah, I'm taking Falcons to win by 10. <laughs> Jesus, that's a good thing I'm sitting down. J.J., what do you got? Black Falcons by double digits. Oh, my God, it is a good thing I'm sitting down. You know what? 
Yes, Wayne. Yes. You know what? Yes. <laughs> oh now, my baby. goodness. Um, Ryan. I you know what? <laughs> Philadelphia's a mess. I got the Falcons to cover too. I yes. thought about taking the Eagles, but we're all gonna stay the same. They are the last it. game. You can't I'll, do I'll, it. Last game, the Pittsburgh Steelers at Buffalo. Buffalo six and a half point favorite. Wayne, who you got? Buffalo to cover. He's breaking my heart. I got the Steelers in the points. I think Buffalo wins, but by a field goal. Give me them Steelers. I got the Steelers for my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. As you guys know, my mother-in-law passed away. That's why you haven't seen me in a while. She passed away on the 24th of July. Just an absolute uh, great lady. Uh, you know, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were married 57 years together, 64 there's no way in the world I'm not picking Pittsburgh. Not only am I picking Pittsburgh to cover, I've got the Steelers to win it. Win it. So let's go to the top five, guys. Um, my top five is Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and I'm going to throw a stunner in there, UCLA. What's yours, Wayne? Uh, I'm going to take a – well, you know, I like everybody that's in the top five right now, so I'm going uh, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, uh, Texas A&M, and Cincinnati. Okay, what do you got, JJ? I got chalk. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. I'll put Texas A&M at four because Oklahoma didn't impress me. Oklahoma's my fifth team. Oh, you know what? That's interesting. I'm glad we all had a little bit of differential, you know, I think there's really the top three is pretty uh, pretty solid after that at this point. Who knows? Guys, I had a lot of fun today. I miss you guys. It's been real rough for myself and my family for a while. And, um, you know, it's it. I, I'm glad I see all of you. I'm not going to get emotional on here or anything like that. But um, I missed you. I talked to you a lot. And I'm glad I get to see you. And, uh just let everybody know, tomorrow on ATL Prime Sports, we're going live on Blog Talk Radio. You can listen in blogtalkradio.com or 1347-205-9631. Myself and Mark Mancini will be on at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Till then, God bless everybody out there. God bless all you college football fans for coming back and give us, give us some normal times. We need it. It's been real rough for the past. 18 months plus or so and i'm just so happy to see it thank you guys you did a great job today and uh i love you and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you later have a great week get you one